Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, so grateful that you are here tonight. Tom, so great to have you and love to hear everything God's doing in Ecuador. It is my uh, honor and privilege. Y'all know it's first Wednesday. Amen. So look, every Wednesday night is awesome, but there's something about first Wednesday. We come with just a little extra expectation. It just ain't by expecting God to do something incredible tonight in your life. Yes, God can't help but be God. And so I hope you just came expecting a miracle. It is my privilege to introduce our guest speaker tonight. I will not take a long time to do that. I want to give him plenty of time to be here. But Tim Timberlake is the lead pastor of Celebration Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, he also travels extensively around this nation. Uh, he is one of the most sought after communicators really in the nation at this point. We are honored to have him. So Faith Assembly. Would you now make welcome Pastor Tim Terrelake as he comes to share the Word of God. Come on, let's make him welcome tonight. Well, come on, Faith Assembly. Amen. Come on, keep standing with me. Can we honor your pastors for a moment? Come on, put those hands together, Faith Assembly. Thank you, Pastor Johnny. PJW, amen. Come on, let's stretch our hands towards heaven. How many of you came anticipating and expecting tonight? My grandmother used to uh, get a bag of lemons and I would see her in the kitchen, and she'd be rolling the lemons from her fist to her elbow. And I'd say, Grandma, what you doing? She'd say, I'm softening these lemons. i said, you soften them for what? She said, I'm about to make some lemonade. She said, you got to soften the lemons by rolling them so that you can get the most juice out of it when you squeeze them. And she looked at me, and she said, Grandson, the juice is always worth the squeeze. And I don't know what you came in here carrying tonight, but I believe if you can stir up the gift of God on the inside of you and release the worship that you have on the inside of you, God is going to release something incredible and supernatural and powerful tonight. So come on, one time, let's lift up our hands and open up our mouth and take the next minute or so just to tell God how grateful we are and how wonderful he is and how majestic and powerful he is and how much we love to worship the true and living Savior. Oh, come on, let's lift up a, a sound of praise and worship in here tonight come on how many of you love them faith assembly we love you Lord we are grateful that we get an opportunity to serve such an incredible Savior while you're standing I want you to grab your word go with me to 2nd Timothy chapter 4 I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture, then I'll give you our subject matter for tonight, and then we'll pray and unpack it. You got 2 Timothy chapter 4. You can say, I'm there. Not there yet. Say, wait on me. 
I hear some weight on me, so we're going to wait. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse number 8. The scripture reads, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I want to preach for a moment from the subject matter, live full, die empty. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time we have together. I ask God that you would do what only you can do, and that is to change us, transform us, renew us, transfigure us, so that we may be more like you and less like us. In the matchless name of Jesus the Christ, our King. And all those that believe it, let me hear you shout amen. amen. You can take your seats. I like to grab a dictionary and search for words that I'm not familiar with. Every week I try to learn at least five new words and what they are defined as. And in researching, you come across some words that are just depressing. One of those words that are super depressing is tried. Tried, I, I tried. Tried implies that you attempted to do something but failed. Well, what about potential? Whenever you hear someone talk about basketball players that did not quite make it, they say they had what? Potential. Do you know what potential is? Potential is potential. It does not turn into progress until potential exceeds potential. Another one of those words that are super depressing is intended. I intended to do that. I intended to wake up on time. I intended to go to church. I intended. Intended applies that you attempted to do something, but you did not quite 
make it. How many of you know God honors our initiative and not our intentions? Isn't it crazy how we judge people based off of what they do and we judge ourselves off of what we intended to do? Intended. Another one of those words is almost. I believe almost is one of the most depressing words found in the dictionary. Almost implies that you were very close to achieving what it was you sought out to achieve, but did not quite make it. Whenever you see someone and they're throwing a football in the NFL and the commentators say they almost had a touchdown, it implies that they attempted to do something but did not quite make it. I pray that if there's an almost associated with my name, is that I almost quit, but I didn't. I almost threw in the towel, but I didn't. I almost gave up, but I didn't because I understand that greater that is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I wonder am I talking to anybody tonight at Faith Assembly that almost quit, but something on the inside of you wouldn't let you. The scripture that Paul is teaching us from tells us that Paul is at the end of his life and he says that my life has been poured out. The Greek of that word poured out means offered up, completely turned over to the last drop. My life has been so full that I can die now empty. I don't know about you, but my prayer is that at the end of my life, I look back over my life and see how I emptied my life of the substance that God put in me, how I emptied my life of the worship God put in me, how I emptied my life of the praise that God put in me, how I emptied my life of the gratitude and, and the promises that God put in me, because every blessing that I receive that I don't turn back into praise eventually turns into pride. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll die full and live empty. You've heard it said before, one of the most depressing places in all of the world is a graveyard, not because it's full of skeletons and dead corpses, but it's because it's full of potential. People dying full without emptying their life of the substance and the greatness and the uniqueness and the, and the glory that God has placed on the inside of us, pouring our lives out as a drink offering to God, showing him everything you have poured into us, we will pour out onto others. I refuse to die full and live empty. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Point number one is this. Greatness requires temporary discomfort. Greatness requires temporary discomfort. In order for me to get the greatness that God has put in me, out of me, I have to wholly and securely trust in his plan for my life. Oftentimes we tell God yes, but our actions tell God no. Right. Do you know why worship is so important? Because worship is the only thing that God can't do. 
Think about it. In Genesis, the word of God teaches us that God separated light from darkness. He separated land from sea. It says that he created all the things in the garden. Then he uh, created Adam from the dirt and he created Eve from his rib. And, and it says that he created them because he wanted to extend his family from heaven to earth. The reason God created us was so that he could find worshipers. Because worship is the one thing that God can't do. You say, well, why is it the one thing God can't do? Because worship implies that there is something higher than you. And there is nothing higher than God. So worship is the one thing that God can't do. That's why God created you so that you could worship, not because he needs worship, because we need to worship. God understands whatever worships become whatever they are worshiping. So when we worship God, we become more like him in our character and in our nature. And in the word of God, he says, we created people after our own kind. So he creates us to worship him so that we could be more like him. If we don't squeeze the greatness of God out of us in this lifetime. We die with the greatness that God has seated on the inside of us and take that greatness to the grave. Greatness requires that it cost you something. There is no one that has stumbled upon success. Whenever you talk to successful people and you talk to people who have accomplished anything in life, they tell you in order for you to accomplish something, you have to see it twice. You have to see it before anyone else sees it, and then you'll see it when everyone does. In order for you to see what it is that God has placed in you, you have to see it in order to see it before you see it. Did you catch that? I'll rewind it a little bit so you can catch it. In order for you to see what God has placed in you, you have to see it before you see it in order to see it. What does that mean? It means that you cannot go, uh, you cannot base your reality off of what you see. You have to base it off of what God said. Do you know the enemy of your faith is your sight? Because what you see hinders us from sometimes from what God showed us. Oftentimes, people think that doubt is the opposite of faith. No, doubt is not the opposite of faith. What you see is the opposite of faith. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us, now faith is the substance of things, what? Hope for the evidence of things not seen. So in order for me to activate my faith, sometimes I have to close my eyes and use my vision. So listen, sight gives me the ability to see, but vision gives me the opportunity to see what's possible when I put my faith in Jesus. There's greatness on the inside of you, but the greatness will lie dormant until you begin to stir up the gift of God in you. And let me help you understand this, family. If you don't use the gift that God has placed on in the inside of you, he won't force you to use it. You have to stir up the gift of God in you and step outside of your comfort into an uncomfortable place so that greatness can be extracted out of you. One of the things that I'm noticing in the body of Christ is a lot of comfortable Christians. It's convenient. We, we worship, we lift our hands based upon how we feel. We shout praises to God based upon our situation. But normally, there's two types of people on each and every row. There, there's a person that praises God because of. 
because I got what I was praying for, because my prayers are getting answered, because I have a roof over my head and a car to drive, I'll praise God. And then there's someone else on your row that's in spite of. In spite of means I may not have everything that I've been believing God for. I, I may not have the car that I've been praying for. I, I may not have a roof over my head, but in spite of, I'm still going to praise God because the word tells me I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. And I wonder tonight on a revival Wednesday and faith assembly, are there about 30 people that understand there's greatness on the inside of you and you don't mind taking out about 20 seconds to squeeze the greatness out of you and give God some praise in this place and say if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where in the world would I be if God did not send his son Jesus to pull me out of the muck and mire? I would have been dead a long time ago and I refuse to die. But greatness trapped in me. I, I have to live my life full of the presence of God, full of the praise of God, full of the worship of God. So every time I pour out, I pour out substance and yes. route to my destination. Greatness requires temporary discomfort. How, how many of you know greatness reschedules your plans? If ever you want to achieve something great, it, 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 will, it will cost you something. It, it will reschedule what you intended to do. It, it will dictate and predict what it is that you need to do in order for you to get the greatness that God has placed on the inside of you out. How many of you know greatness costs you something? We, we often say we... We believe until it begins to cost us something. We, we often say, hurrah, hurrah, Jesus, until we begin to feel pain. But let me help you understand this. Pain is an indicator that the season I am in is coming to an end. Every giant that I am facing is an indicator that the season I am in is coming to a close. If David would have never encountered Goliath, he would have never became king. But Goliath was an indicator to David that the season of being a shepherd boy was coming to an end. And you may be staring at some giants right now. You may be staring at some mountains right now. But here's the reality. If your faith is not big enough to move your mouth, it won't be big enough to move your mountain. say, that's not my personality. That's just not me. I, I don't get it. I'm not going to make all that noise. I'm not going to clap my hands. I'm not going to lift my hands. That's just not who I am. And I would ask you this question. If somebody gave you the ticket to the Powerball, and you hit that jackpot, $300 million. How many of you know your preference will change? Some of you lose your natural born mind. But wait a minute, I thought that wasn't your personality. But wait a minute, I thought that wasn't your preference. So you mean to tell me you will praise money more than you praise God? You got to push beyond your preference and your personality and get out of your comfort zone and pull the greatness of God that's in you out of you so that you can move from 
one season to the next. And I wonder, is there about 30 people up in Faith Assembly on a Revival Wednesday that says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'll bless him in my end going. I'll bless him in my outgoing. I'll bless him on the mountaintop, and I'll bless him in the valley low. Your worship has to cost you something. It will cost you your identity. It will cost you your comfort. It will cost you the image that you built up that you want people to see you as. It will cost you something. And if it doesn't cost you something, it in fact is not worship. Because worship is defined as sacrifice. You remember in the Old Testament, when Abraham tells his servants, me and the boy are going on top of the mountain to worship. There was no organ on top of the mountain. There was no drums, there was no choir, there was no worship team, there was no keyboard. The only thing that was at the top of the mountain was an altar, some rope, some knobs, and, and some fire. That's it. What did he intend to do? He intended to kill something. So in order for you to properly worship, something has to die. You say, well, what has to die? Your comfort. The image that you've made up of yourself that exalts itself before the name of Jesus. This rationale of thinking about what other people think about you instead of thinking what Jesus thinks about you. Greatness will always cost you something. And if your faith is not big enough to move your mouth, it won't be big enough to move your mountain. Greatness demands everything from you. It's not the greatness that you create within yourself, but it's the greatness that Jesus has placed in you. What separates me is not my gift, it's not my ability, it's not my talent, it's not my resources, it's my hunger to see the gift of God in me spread as far and wide as possible while I still have breath in these lungs. Greatness will cost you something. And you need to understand the secret to your greatness is consistency. Consistently showing up when no one acknowledges you. Consistently worshiping when nothing changes. Consistently giving when it seems like things are falling apart in your life. The key to your greatness is consistency. Consistency will take you further than your genius will. Consistency is more powerful than your desire. Consistency is the secret, the hidden gems, the treasure that is in your greatness. If you can consistently bless the Lord, worship God, pray, be in your word on a daily basis, then you begin to see progress. And let me help you understand this. Progress is not always pretty, but progress is progress. And if you can get beyond how you look while you're making progress, then you can actually start making progress. But we so caught up on how we look and what we got on and how we sound. God ain't worried about none of that. He says, come to me and make a joyful noise. All ye that are living in the land. We worried about what people think. 
think about us. God ain't worried about how you sound. He's worried about the condition of your heart. And he says, if the greatness remains trapped in you, that's your fault. I'm pulling it out of you. You have to have made up in your mind that you will live full and die empty. Point number two is this. Can we go a little deeper? Reflection turns experience into insight. Paul says there will come a day and time where people will hate the truth. They will lean towards communicators, preachers, and teachers who give them what they want to hear. One of the things that I've come to learn in this season is that truth always sounds like hate to those that hate truth. People are trying to sue you for defamation when you tell the truth. Truth always sounds like hate to those that hate truth. But if you hold on to the truth, God says he will lift you up and keep your eyes pointed towards the hill from which cometh your help because your help comes from the Lord. His word also says that in him the truth will set you free and who the sun sets free is free indeed. If you want to experience freedom like never before, seek out truth. If you want change to break off your life like never before, seek out truth. If you want things to happen supernaturally in your life, seek out truth because truth always brings about change. We have to bring ourselves to the place where we never hope for something more than we're willing to work for it. We've become professionals at lip service, saying one thing and our lives reflecting something completely different. But when we reflect, our reflection turns our experience into insight. What is insight? Insight is the ability to know before. I want to declare and decree this over you, Faith Assembly. The season you're stepping into is greater than the season you're stepping out of. Your greatest days are ahead of you. No longer will you have to look through a rearview mirror to look at your greatest days. You can look forward and determine that the rest of my life will be the best of my life and we have not seen our greatest days yet. I'm telling you, your greatest days are still in front of you. If you believe that faith assembly, let me hear you shout amen. Point number three. What you tolerate, you authorize to exist. Very few times do we take the time to do inventory to discover the greatness that lies beneath disappointments. In this season, disappointment has been my greatest teacher. Because disappointment always leads me to the door of direction. 
And oftentimes when one door closes, we think that it's denial. When in fact, a closed door is redirection to an open door. And you have to have your mind made up that even if I don't see which door is open, I'm going to praise God in the hallway. Even when I can't see how God is going to make a way, I believe God is going to make a way. Even when it seems like things are turning upside down, I believe God is going to turn it right side up. And I'm going to take what I have on the inside of me and I'm going to pour it out onto God. And I'm going to pour it out onto God's people because God did not place me here to live an empty life and die full. No, God placed me here so that I could live an empty life when I am gone. He fills you with his gifts. He, he fills you with his spirit. He, he fills you with his greatness for, for you to pour out in his house and, and on him and on to his people. How dare we not spend what God has placed in us on him? And Paul says, I've, I've come to the end of my road, to the end of my life. And my life is like a cup being poured out and that word poured out means lamentations which means a drink offering that costs everything and every time I preach my life is being poured out and every time I show up and I'm faithful I'm being poured out and every time I give I'm being poured out and every time I worship I'm being poured out. And every time I, I push beyond pain, I'm being poured out. And I want to live my life, pouring my life out. So at the end of my life, I look and God has offered me up to the very last drop. I am full of the greatness that God continues to pour out of me until I am no more. And I pray my life it's like the old Maxwell Coffee slogan. It's good to the very last drop. Oh, how many of you want to live a life that's full and, and poured out so, so good, so great to the very last drop? You want your life to be consistent to the very last drop? You want to live a life that says, God, use me. I'll give you my yes. I'll give you my life. I want to be good to the very last drop. I want to live full so I can die empty. So at the end of my race, I, like Paul, can say, I've ran my race. I've been faithful. I've run it faithfully. A crown awaits for me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And, and the prize is not just for me, but it's for all who eagerly look for to his appearing. I have fought the good fight. I've ran faithfully. I finish my course. I've been poured out 
the very last drop. And I can say that I am dying empty of the greatness that God has placed in me. I want to leave you with one more thing. Point number four is this. You contain an uncommon treasure. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven says, it is invisible, but irrefutable. It is your difference, your dominant gift and the magnet drawing others. It is your greatness. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. There's greatness on the inside of you. And life has a tendency of squeezing us like a sponge. And whatever we put in, when life squeezes us, just like my grandmother squeezing lemons, whatever we put in will be squeezed out of us. So if we consume what culture tells us when we are placed under a squeeze, we're going to worry and be anxious and be stressed and be fearful and be overwhelmed. But if we put the word of God in us, if we uh, uh, apply worship to us, if we, if we praise the one and true living Savior, when life squeezes us, guess what comes out? Worship and praise and, and the word of God. Why? Because we've placed it on the inside of us. And the word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what you've put in. Look at what you say when you're put under pressure. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.